Anyone who's new to Hong Kong will tell you that there are things about the city that you just can't wrap your head around. There's so many things that are unique to Hong Kong, and I for one need help understanding some of them. But it can be a little bit embarrassing and sometimes even a bit intimidating getting answers. Hi, I'm your host, Amy Sue. I grew up in India and Indonesia, and I spent a couple of years in New Zealand. I've been in Hong Kong now for just over five months, but I've never lived anywhere like the city. There's still so many things about it that I'm trying to understand. So that's where I come in. I'm Jeff Chung, and I was born and raised here, spending only three years in the UK for university. I'm no stranger to some of the things that people might find puzzling about Hong Kong. I'm here to answer some of the questions that you might be too afraid to ask. You're listening to HK101, a podcast series where we talk about things in the city that newcomers might struggle to understand. I was in Mongkok recently, and um, there was this massive poster of what who I assumed was a celebrity on the back of a bus. And I turned to my friend and I asked him, you know, what's up with this guy? Is he like, you know, a famous Hong Kong celebrity? And he told me that, no, this is a tutor who is very famous in Hong Kong. And it's someone that, you know, a lot of students sought after. Um, and... I was surprised because this definitely looked like a celebrity to me. And why is this guy up on a poster? What's going on? I had so many questions. Did your friend explain it to you? A little bit. He said that there's, you know, there's a lot of centers in Hong Kong that have all these like tutors who are almost considered celebrities. Even like there are students who like, you know, and families that pay so much money just so that their t- uh, kids are taught by these certain you know, tutors. And I was so surprised. I've never seen like so much showmanship from a tutor. I want to ask you though, like when you saw that ad yeah. or poster for the first time, what what was your reaction to it? Because growing up, this was really normal to me because I saw it all the time. Like these, <laughs> these, these big name uh, celebrity tutors. I think we call them tutor kings in Cantonese. Um, but I think Every time I saw one of those, I kind of go, ugh, you know, because I just saw them and like, really? Like, do you have to be so like such a show off to be a tutor, you know? Yeah. So I was wondering what your reaction was when you first saw it. I mean, obviously surprised because I thought this was an actor. I did not. I would have never guessed that this was like an advertisement for a tutor or any sort of education agency and then you know he pointed out my friend pointed out all these like things that were on the poster about like this tutor has had this many students who've gone like this grade in their exams and <laughs> you know they do all of these promotional okay, things okay to to be fair when i was a tutor okay i probably would have done the same thing you know yeah. You know, I was but, like, like you would have your face plastered on. Okay, okay, I, I probably wouldn't be as much of a showman as they as they are, um, but I think you know stuff like, oh yeah, I, I had the student who got an A star who went to Yale. True story. Yeah. True story. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and you know, the whole grades thing, like you know, look, if you're looking for a tutor, you probably want a good grade. Um, but the whole like showmanship and the whole like you know. Because there's this billboard in, I think, somewhere in Kowloon, where there are like nine of these Tudor kings and queens, 
and and they're all kind of standing there in a pose, arms crossed or like hands in their pockets, and they're kind of like all wearing like really expensive suits, and they're like they have this look about them, right? They're they're like all serious, but they're kind of like showing off, you know, like mm. yeah, mm. like there's a sense of you know. I'm better than you. Yeah. <laughs> or you want to be me. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy, though, because they earn so much money. Which is interesting because in my mind, you know, tutoring was never this. Like, it wasn't very persona driven. And it's not in my mind. I always thought of, like, tutoring agencies to be popularized by, you know, an agency, not a person. What agencies do you know? Well, I know none in Hong Kong. I'm just talking from experience. Kumon? Like, come on, but that's different. That's not, you know, that's not the kind of agency I'm thinking of. That's more of like, that's a learning center. That's a learning center. And that's global and that's big. But I'm thinking of like tutoring as in, you know, other agencies that kind of help students after school. Sure. Pass their exams. It's extra help. Yeah. You know, I just would never have imagined that this was an ad for a tutor. I just feel like it's a very Hong Kong thing, right? Because... There's so much emphasis on academic success here. Okay. The emphasis on academic success is not only a Hong Kong thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think we, I think we both yeah. know that ex- it exists in most of, like, East, Southeast Asia. Singapore, you know, I, Hong Kong's rival, but also a huge place. Asia. South Asia. South Asia as well. I mean. Yeah. I can assume India, they're pretty big on like yeah. making sure you succeed and then going to a good school for a good degree right. and then making and money when you're older. If we're going to look at tutoring in India, that's a big business. And, you know, tutoring agencies are, you know, they're sold in the same way. Like, oh, this many students made it to university from our tutoring agency. So you have to come study here. You have to pay this premium, like this expensive fee for us because we're going to, you know, do our best to make sure your kid gets into a good university, but it's never the tutor that's kind of, you know, blasted on billboards. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's not their face. It's the name of the agency that's popularized, not the person who's the tutor. It, there's no tutor king. It, oh, in, in India? No, there's no, right, yeah. no concept of a tutor king. Or right, so, so these tutor kings, it's really upsetting to me because I... I instantly recognize them if I see them on a billboard. Yeah, they're and and they are the last people I want to like know, like on the top of my head, you know, because it's okay. Like I just want to talk about my experiences as a tutor mm-hmm. and why I think what they're doing. You know, it's not so much wrong because I get that people need tutoring, and I guess my in my back with my background, it's a little different. In that, you know, I did the IB, not the DSEs, no, the the local uh, secondary c- curriculum. It's, so it's a standardized. It's a standardized <laughs> secondary diploma. It's, its full name is the Dipl- the diploma for secondary education. Okay. It's from what I've seen with their past papers, a very stressful time, and from what I've seen with videos, you know, a really messed up thing that happens in Hong Kong is um. On results day, you have all these TV news stations kind of go out to these um these schools and they'll film the kids opening the results, oh, okay. and like ninety percent of them are crying Aww. on like on camera, and I think that's kind of messed up. But you know, like I was saying, like I don't think what they're doing is 
so much wrong. But I think it's a bit exploitative the way they do it, in that, and 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 it's not so much because of like their showmanship or because of the way they market themselves, but having seen a video from Channel Four that kind of did a report on these Tudor kings, and you know it followed a student who was doing pretty poorly in English, um, you know just just listening to the way. He was, first of all, teaching in English, or teaching English, and then speaking the language. It kind of made me think. I don't know if this is the right guy to be teaching English because when he taught English, he barely spoke a word of English. He was using Cantonese the whole time. Right, but、um, how and, how did he get to that position where he was teaching English to these students? I mean, he was he was a co-founder of this of of this tuition center. Now, I'm I'm not gonna name any names because I don't want to get in any legal trouble for defamation. <laughs> but you know, it in in my experience, if you go to these tuition centers or 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 these um. Uh, uh, cram schools—they call it in Hong Kong, where you know you have a center in this shopping mall, and it can fit around a hundred students in this room, and you have the tutor king kind of speaking for an hour and a half. Right? First of all, it's not a very interactive class; it's more like listening to a lecture. So you're paying for a lecture, and I guess, and they're not really paying, or they're not, the students aren't paying that much per hour. As far as I know, they're paying what, two hundred. Three hundred dollars per hour or per session, but the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that they're going every day after class, so five days a week, four weeks a month,、right. and then you know, like we don't we don't include the summer holidays. But yeah, how many students would you say would be there per class? Per class? Yeah, or just per tutor tutoring center? I、agency. mean, I, I've seen kids line up outside these. Outside these agencies, right? I mean, they're in shopping malls, or some of them are in shopping malls where, you know, the space is a little bigger. So, if I had to put a guess on it, I would say around a hundred, hundred fifty per room. Okay, so that could account for a lot of money that these centers right, are making. Right, right. So, so if every student goes there, let's say every day, five、uh, five days a week, every month, right? And they're paying two hundred fifty. Let's put it in the middle. That's a lot of money he's making、mm-hmm. from one student. Now times that by a hundred, and all of a sudden he's a millionaire. You know, for 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 what is essentially giving a speech on not the the subject he's teaching, but exam technique. And that's very interesting because how important is it for students to go to these extra tuition centers, you know, in order to pass the DSCs. In, in Hong Kong,、yeah. it's okay. I I I don't know how important it is because I don't agree with the way they teach it. Okay, but is it pretty but, normal for students to go? I think so. Now, personally, I've never been to one because you know I'm I come from a privileged background, but you know there is a very um. It's very common to see or to hear people say that in order for you to succeed academically, you have to go to these places. And I think, you know, in, in a society that promotes academic success, it's not very accessible to everyone in Hong Kong. These tuition centers, or 
Yeah. I mean, quality of education? Both. Okay. I mean, because I personally think that the quality of, of education in these tuition centers run by these tu- tutor kings isn't that great. They're not teaching you the subject. They're teaching you how to pass the exam using tricks and tips. Now, from the videos that I've seen, and it could very well be because it's a video and they cut a, a lot of context, but it's always just about technique. Is it? Very strongly to do with memorizing and cramming yeah. and okay. I mean that's that's half of how the term cram school came about, right? Mm. Because instead, because you're just cramming like you're being spoon fed information is what I think is happening. Uh, the other half of it being that the room is very crammed, right? You you've got a hundred kids in a room, interesting, right? So yeah. cram school kind of goes both ways. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. How accessible it is for, you know, for example, the the poorer folks or people who whose families don't earn as much. Because if you think about it, two hundred dollars per hour, let's say like per day, essentially, times five, and then times four, and then times how many months you go, mm. that's a lot of money. And from the way it sounds, it's not like you know after spending all of this money somehow being able to arrange it and making it into these cram schools that does not guarantee you a place no. in university no okay um so in hong kong there's a system similar to the uk's ucas system we call it jupass and these are for local schools so in my case i didn't i didn't need to use jupass to apply for for universities in hong kong um but you know, I'm not too sure on the number, but I think that the acceptance rate for Hong Kong universities is somewhere in the, what was it, 30% or something, 40%. Uh, that's quite that's quite low. Is it quite very low. competitive getting into university in Hong Kong so, as a local student? So competitive. I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of pressure that these students face when they take the DSEs, I don't envy them. But when, to my knowledge... The quality of teaching when it comes to essential subjects like English in Hong Kong isn't all that great. And an essential requirement for getting into a university in Hong Kong is English. Automatically, the chances of people getting into university is slimmer because from my observations, the trend is that you know less, fewer and fewer people in Hong Kong who went to local schools, you know, like a band two or band three school, is going to be able to speak English to, to a level where it's acceptable for them to get into university. Then surely, you know, they would look into why it's so challenging for students who are, you know, doing these standardized tests just to make it into university and they're still not able to make it into university. Surely there should be something to help Yeah, you would think them. so, wouldn't you? <laughs> so I guess that's where these tutoring centers come in, right? I but suppose. They're not exactly doing I don't think that. they're doing that good of a job okay. because... Uh, They've been around for a while, and I'm not. I think there's been a slight increase on the on the amount of people who've been able to get into university. I think in 2020 there's been a three percent increase in in higher education uh, acceptances and, and admissions. But on the grand scheme of things, they've been around for a long time. And if the solution to you know guaranteeing or at least promising some degree of academic success in order to get into higher education, you know, Hong Kong U, Chinese U, you know, the trends and the stats don't really reflect that. 
so it kind of makes me question how effective these Tudor kings are, you know? Yeah. And, and you know what's messed up? They what? earn so much money. They're, like, there's this guy who's 25 who's a millionaire just by teaching Mandarin in one of these centers. Wow. I mean, you doesn't know? that make it sound like, you know, teaching is a good profession oh, to get in <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about it, I think we're both in the wrong profession. <laughs> I think I think I should have stuck to tutoring. Yeah. And I think... Are you regretting that now? A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. I mean, if I was a millionaire by 25, I'd be set for life, you know? Like, I can invest and, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a good time. Um, well, what's but, the... Okay, so for students who are not able to make it into university what's the alternative in hong kong do they retake exams do they keep trying i mean it's, it's kind of frowned upon in hong kong isn't it to retake exams not to to or... not get into oh, sorry to not do well yeah but in school you know again it um, sounds like a lot of students don't make it to university if the acceptance rate is in the 30 40 percent that's you know 60 percent of students who did not make it into university yeah it's a big number i think i mean a lot of students do retake now, I have a friend who didn't do the DSCs, he did the IB. Oh, no, sorry. He did the A-levels in the UK. But he didn't get the grades that he needed to, to go into his, you know, top university. So he chose to retake the exams. I don't think that's frowned upon. In fact, I think it's encouraged. In Hong Kong? In Hong Kong. Okay. And I think it's encouraged. Okay, that's good. So there's no, I guess there's no um, criticism of students who choose to retake the DSCs then. Well, I mean, there's always going to be criticism in that they didn't do well enough the first time around. Okay. I mean, look, look it, 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 it costs thing. money to, like, retake the exam, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, there, there's always going to be criticism. Um, but for those who don't make it the second time around or the third time around, I mean, what can they do? I mean, they can go to, you know, the apprenticeships. Uh, and they can go to more applied uh, uh Fuse of work. Yeah, industries. are there more like technical colleges and? I mean, Poly University is a yeah. is a polytechnical university, right? Yeah. So I mean, again, I don't I don't know how favorable these 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 universities are to people because I can't speak for everyone. Mm. Um, well, but these these technical universities do exist. Uh, there's a design institute here, polytechnical university here. Well, does the fact that there's, you know, Hong Kong is not that big of a city. Does the fact that there's a smaller number of oh, yeah. universities here make a difference? Yeah, definitely. The... Definitely. Okay. Because what? We've got 7.5 million people in Hong Kong. I think a grand total of, I want to say, nine accredited higher education institutions. So Hong Kong U, Chinese University, you know, the likes. And then we also have like these colleges, right? Uh, which aren't as prestigious as universities, but, you know, they'll do so you know in in that sense i don't think we can really compare hong to anyone else because it's it's so unique right yeah because i'm just thinking of hong kong you know it makes sense that it's so competitive to get into university if you want to stay within hong kong because there's so few universities you can get into and then there's only so many places it's just the fact that you know there's these education centers that are promoted as you know, you need to go to these places to get good grades to make yeah. it to university, but it's still so challenging. It yeah, they're they're like, kind of promoted as like a life saving yeah. organization in a way, right? Because yeah. they they kind of see themselves as like, or not even. I think the attitude towards these exams is that 
you know, these are um, these are platforms for you to determine the rest of your life and how it's going to play out. So if you do well for the DSEs and you get into a good university, you're guaranteed to do well in life. You're going to earn a lot of money. You're going to go on and live in a penthouse somewhere in somewhere in Kowloon or somewhere in the island. And but on the on the contrary, if you don't do well in these exams, you could be broke. You could be jobless, or you could be, you know, you could spend the rest of your life. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, driving a taxi or something. You know, it's well, not gonna be very fulfilling. That's so much pressure on this. It is. It's a tremendous amount of pressure, and I think the one thing that the UK has done well is that, you know, they have universities, and then they have. Some cities have polytechnical universities and some cities have colleges where you can pursue a, a more applied um, field of work. And through the colleges, you get this experience, which would then help you succeed in life without a proper Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Sciences. So, right. So do you think maybe a solution that can be implemented in Hong Kong would be kind of encouraging that it's not so bad to go to like a polytechnic university. Oh, yeah. You know, is there still some stigma that comes with? There's so much stigma okay. because, again, it's it's a very Southeast, East Asian thing, right? You got to do well in school. You got to, you know, the, the whole stereotype is, you know, when you grow up, you you have three choices. You can either be a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer. Yeah. No, that's very common throughout Asia. Right. All so over. Yeah, so so is that attitude that people still have here, and I think, and I, I I struggle to use this word, but I think people have to become a little more progressive, more open minded. More, yeah, more open minded yeah. in the way they think, and you know, say that you know, it's not so bad that my son wants to be a baker, it's not so bad that my daughter wants to be a PE teacher, it's not so bad that my 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 child when he grows up wants to, wants to be a fireman or you know, a firefighter, Sorry, fireman, firefighter. Well, do you um, think it does a disservice to that kind of sentiment, though, seeing all these posters of these Tudor kings around and kind of, you know, them promoting yeah, this it entire... Yeah, it's, it's so counterintuitive. But I guess from a business standpoint, I also understand why they do it. Because they make so much money out of it. And my opinions aside, you know, if they can make a lot of money out of it doing what they do, even if I disagree with it, well done you. Yeah, I mean, I was I genuinely thought it was a celebrity promoting a movie and if they can do that, take education and take tutoring and do that with it, then that's, you know, that's a smart move, but What do you think about how much money they're able to make though? Yeah, well, if you're telling me that there's people in their mid 20s making millions of dollars by being tutors, that almost Glorified it tutors. seems Well, you said it. Um, I said it. It seems quite I don't know. Not that I don't want to say it's that they're exploiting students, but it just seems like such a disparity, you know, like yeah. the fact that these tutors are making so much money on the back of all of these students who are, you know, in so much pressure to do well at school that they'll, you know, spend all of that money to go to these tutoring centers and still not know that they'll get a spot in university. Oh, you know what's fun? If they have the money, Odds are these Tudor kings and queens, <laughs> Tudor kings and queens, they'll send their kids to a school that doesn't do the DSC. Right. So that's another interesting thing. So there's this disparity then 
it sounds like, between the people who are able to afford international schools and, you know, don't have to go through that entire process of the DSCs and standardized testing to make it to a university that they want versus students who are paying (laughs) these same people, you know, just to possibly get a one in, what, one in 30 chance of making (laughs) it into university? I mean, mean, that's a whole other conversation on wealth and you know uh the wage gap and the and the huge like humongous um wage disparity and income disparity in Hong Kong but i will say this and i think this applies everywhere anyway but especially in Hong Kong the richer you are uh, and it doesn't matter you know whether or not you go to an international school and doing the the ib or a levels or if you go to a local school and do a dse right and it doesn't really matter if you if you if you go to a local school, band one, two, or three, one being the best, three being the worst. The more money you have, the more access you have to these tuition centers that claim to help. And the more money you're willing to dish out to these two tuition kings or tutor kings and queens. Um now on the contrary, if you're on the poorer side and you know, your family li- li- literally has to, you know, pitch in, you know, from your immediate family, like your mom and dad, to your extended family, your aunts and your uncles. And they all have to pitch in for y- for their kid to be able to afford to a tuition center, which I think isn't that effective. You know, it just goes to show how, I, I, I want to say messed up, this, this, in- this, this industry or this practice of, of making education almost like a entertainment business you know well it it almost sounds like they've commercialized tutoring well i mean you could you, you could probably argue they've commercialized education as well mm. but i think that's a whole other conversation right we could talk about i guess i guess in this case when we talk about tuition centers then yeah they've they've definitely commercialized it but uh, i i struggle to speculate whether or not these tutors really care about their students and there there is no doubt in my head that a lot of these tutors do but a part of me can't help but think that a lot of them are in it for the money i almost feel like this is a growing trend though um Wait, in hong kong? not just in hong kong in other parts of the world too i remember um in india there's been so many scandals and so many controversies coming out of tu- tutoring centers like this where they do ask for a lot of money. They take up so much of a student's time. So, you know, students will be there after school finishes at four or five, get home at like 10 p.m. Um, But it also mattered so much what what connections you had, how much Mm. money you paid to these tutors. And it impacted, you know, the quality of education or the quality of tutoring that they were giving to you, depending on who you knew, how much money you paid them. And I think there was an instance where um, these tutoring centers um, even had access to, you know, like past papers and exams, and they would only give them to students who'd be able to pay the premium fee. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah, so there's been a lot of controversy in that sense in other parts of Asia, because I think this is a wider conversation about access to education and the importance of, you know how education has been commercialized and yeah. made into a business. Oh, that really, that makes me really angry. 
Yeah, it's quite sad, like, isn't it, it? Because, it, it, like, it, it makes me sad because to think that there are people who don't qualify to have access to past papers because of how much money they have, you know? You know, the, the, the whole point of education and access to education is to make is to make sure that people no no matter their backgrounds or their wealth or whatever all have an equal chance of succeeding in life um i i would recommend everyone listening to this podcast to take a look at the video that i was talking about earlier it's from channel four it's it, it does it does a better job of doing this whole tutor center tutor kings and queens uh concept justice than amy and i ever could In each episode, we have a little segment where Amy explains some of the tips that she's picked up on in her time in Hong Kong that you guys might find interesting or even useful as well. So here's your Hong Kong tip of the day from Amy. Something that took me forever to get the hang of in Hong Kong was using a minibus. If you're not around an MTR or a bus, the minibus can be pretty handy, but you need to know how to use it. Before you get on a minibus, make sure you know where you're getting off. A really handy app you can use for this is called City Mapper. It tells you which color or number minibus to get on with more clarity than Google Maps. There are two types of minibuses, a green one, which has a scheduled service, a set route, and a set fare, and a red one, which runs on a non-scheduled service without as much control over routes and fares. A minibus can generally be hailed down at any point along a route, although sometimes particular stops are marked out. Now this is the hard part. Getting off a minibus can be a little bit intimidating, a passenger will usually yell out to a driver where they wish to get off when their destination is approaching. You can call out a street name or a famous landmark followed by saying Yaolok, which is essentially Cantonese for I want to get off here. This is also when you'd pay the fare with cash or an octopus card. Minibuses, although a little intimidating for newcomers, can be super convenient when getting around, so don't be too scared to give them a try. You've been listening to HK101, a podcast series where we talk about things in Hong Kong that newcomers might struggle to understand. Our music is from Incompetech by Kevin McLeod. Join us again next time where we talk about more things Hong Kong.